Mike Schneider Podcast. Doug Bodkin, you're probably one of my longest fingerboard friends that I've had, like, since, I don't know what year we met, maybe like 2007 Rendezvous 2, I think. Rendezvous First time two. in person. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. In and your then, parents' driveway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so crazy. So, cool to have you on my brand new podcast. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad, yeah. you, uh, glad to have me and... Uh, I guess talk for a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we're going to start with how long have you been Doug Bodkin? <laughs> um, what was it like, you know, being a small Doug Bodkin when you were born? And not when you were born, but like, you know, growing up, what was your life like? And then at what point did you get into fingerboarding? And how did that kind of come into the whole big picture, I guess? Yeah, so I'm currently 32 years old. Um, I grew up just west of Boston uh, near Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, been in Massachusetts my whole life, uh, you know, went to school here, went to college here. I now live in Boston, so always been in Massachusetts. Um, you know, I love the East Coast, love to visit other places, but love to stay here. Um, yeah, I think fingerboarding, geez, I started when I was in middle school, so late 90s when uh, like the X Games and Gravity Games were big and Rocket Power was on TV. and we would get uh, CSS magazines in the mail and like flip through like skate products. Um, you know, at the time I was into skateboarding and all of that and then Tech Decks came out. Um, and I remember going to the mall, I think it was a, a Learning Express store and getting my very first Tech Deck. Um, and everyone in school had them and, you know, couldn't really do much with them, but they were fun to play with. Um, and I wasn't the greatest skateboarder, so it was uh, you know, something I was a, a bit better at, not afraid to get hurt with it or anything like that. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's how I got started. Yeah, that's like pretty similar to how I got started too. Like I had just started skateboarding and then kids in my class had fingerboards. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we had Learning Express also. Like yeah. in, my, <clears throat> in my town, we had Learning Express. So I went there and got a Tech Tech too. And yeah, um, so since then, Fingerboarding has brought you to all kinds of interesting places. Um, we could start with Germany, I guess. I mean, we went to Germany together, and I was thinking, like, I have my perspective of that trip, and, like, mm -hmm. I saw you and my other friends, like, everyone there, but I'm, like, never really talked about it. Like, what, what was your actual, like, perception of going there for the first time? What did it feel like? What was, what was it like to see all that stuff in real life after just seeing it on the internet for so long yeah it was a uh, really eye-opening because uh you know early on when i think the u.s scene first found about the germany scene and found out about black river and berlin wood it was just like like so eye-opening because like we were used to you know smaller cheaper plastic ramps and black river had big wooden parks that were so realistic and berlin woods were like incredible um so i remember it was it was hard to get them in the U.S. It was like you know it was hard to get a kicker or a rail or whatever or Berlin wood deck. Um, and I remember like saying like one day I want to go to Germany with like a couple empty suitcases and just buy every <laughs> Black River ramp I could get. Um, but then fast forward to I think it was like late like 2009 maybe we went to Germany the first time together. Was it around maybe then, a little yeah. later? Somewhere around that time. Um, 
it was so cool to see like the Black River headquarters in real life and like their townscape park and all the people behind Black River. Um, and then just like the massive event of Fast Fingers. And um, yeah, it was just like kind of blew my mind a little bit because like all those years, you know, I'd see videos of them and photos and to kind of go see it in person uh, was surreal. Yeah, it was super fun. There was like so many funny memories that we have from <laughs> yeah. there. Um, I don't even know if you want to share any of them or not. <laughs> yeah, I think just like every, like, you know, kind of going before, um, before Fast Fingers and just being able to, like, kind of skate around, like, we would stay at Martin's house and, like, skateboard to the, the bakery and, like, the grocery store and get things for the day and hang out at the office and, uh, make Berlin Woods and go to the skate park, just kind of, like, the day-to-day, like, just kind of living there and kind of seeing the like you know their culture and food and just kind of all of that was so awesome yeah and all the food in germany is so much better than here like yeah. you can get the same thing and feel twice as good like you get like a pastry mm. and it's like it doesn't make you feel bad it like it's like yeah energizing and delicious and like i remember those sandwiches i would always get like the same sandwiches like every yeah. day at like etica or any bakery yeah that was so good yeah, I feel like I got the same things, like, every day, but they're always so good and never really got sick of anything. Dang, speaking of food, tell us about your first salad. My first salad? Yeah. Oh, in, in Germany, yeah, uh, Elias made it, and he made it in the, um, like, the Tech Tech pool, like, the plastic pool oh, brand. Oh, yeah. Was that at the Steig? Yeah, I think it was the apartment, like, around the oh, corner from Black Yeah, River. yeah, not the Stag, but, like, before the Stag, the house that they yeah, had. That's what yeah, I was thinking, yeah. too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he made it in, in the Tech Deck uh, pool or bowl. So uh, how did you get that far without eating salad? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like when I was, like, really young, um, I would just eat anything, anything and everything. Because, you know, I was a little kid, like, I just didn't know better. And then as I got it, a little bit later, a little bit older, um, I don't know, it just became really picky. I would always eat the same handful of things over and over, and it's still kind of true to this day a little bit, but definitely kind of broadening my horizons a little bit. So yeah, I feel like I just went all those years without eating, you know, like salad and things I should be eating. <laughs> yeah, not many people can say they had their first salad made by Elias Asmuth, <laughs> like one of the most influential fingerboarders ever. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, were there any people like him or anyone else that you were like nervous to meet or like, what was it like to meet all those people for the first time? I think it was, it was really cool. They were all, you know, it wasn't really intimidating, even though they're, you know, huge in the fingerboard world and everyone knows about them. Um, it, it wasn't like really nervous or intimidating. It was, uh, you know, they welcomed us and, you know, kind of treated us like, you know, they've known us for a hundred years and we just saw them like the week prior. Um, yeah, just very welcoming and, you know, inviting and, you know, letting us stay, Martin letting us stay at his house. It was yeah. just like relaxing in a sense. It's as if like, you know, we've been friends with them and hang out with them forever. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt too. And it's also like every time you go back, even if it's been years or if they mm -hmm. come here, it's like, it feels like you saw them yesterday, even though it was like a long time. Yeah. So it's just super cool how like everyone in the fingerboard community is like, we just get along by default yeah it's like family yeah it's it's really cool even you know putting germany aside for a second um like all the events like you know there's 
we all come from different backgrounds and have different careers and grew up in different parts of the U.S. and the world, um, have different upbringings and, and things like that. But we all have this like common thread of fingerboarding. And it's like, yeah, I see people maybe once or twice a year at a rendezvous, but it's like I've been hanging out with them the entire year. It's just like it's so easy to just like pick up where you left off um, like the last time and just have like a normal conversation. Um, it's kind of cool that we you know we're all so different but yet we have this one thing that ties us all like so close together yeah totally do you have any super impactful either moments memories or things you took away from in general like from being in Germany um, just because it's you know in some ways it's so different than here in other ways mm -hmm. it's similar but I feel like for me Germany like really opened my mind to a lot of things and I was curious if you had any ways like that it changed your life. Yeah, it was, um, I did go to Canada before, but that was my first time to Europe. So like just being on, you know, that big of a plane on that long of a flight, um, you know, being in a country that, you know, speaks German. Like I, you know, don't really know German that well. I knew some words and phrases, but, um, definitely not fluid by any means. Um, so yeah, just the, the language and the culture and the food, everything was, you know, just very eye-opening. Um, really cool though, like it kind of mentioned earlier, like everyone is so uh, inviting and, you know, we're even like in a small German town uh, by the Black River headquarters and, um, you know, I feel like they don't really see a lot of Americans there. So, you know, I think it was cool for them to see us and interact with us too, you know. Um, speaking our like broken German and then them <laughs> responding immediately back in English. Um, yeah, it was just definitely a, a very, very cool experience. It was just like so many new things and experiences. Yeah, I find it's like kind of relaxing being in different countries when you can't understand much because it's like when you're here, you're like processing everything you hear and everything you read and see. And it's like, when you're like in Germany, it's almost like the world is like blurry around you in a way. Mm -hmm. And then you see it in new ways because you're not like on your typical like, oh, there's Dunkin Donuts and there's a person I can listen to their conversation. It's like you're either trying really hard to figure out what someone's talking about in a different language or you're mm -hmm. tuning it out or like and everything around you is new. And then like people behave slightly differently sometimes. And like, yeah, it's just it's super, super cool. Just like getting all those things like different at the same time yeah and even though there were so many things that were different it was also kind of comfortable in a sense because yeah. everyone was welcoming but you know leading up to that we saw so many photos and videos online of the black river headquarters and uh the mini rampant windsidle and just like all the different spots to, to kind of see those in person it was cool to be like oh that that's what this looks like in real life and that that's where the skate park is and the headquarters and so forth so it was like there were so like so many different things and new experiences but it was kind of familiar in a way just from seeing it for so many years leading up to it yeah i remember the excitement of just like seeing all those places for the first time and it's like wow it's so much like crazier than I even thought like so amazing yeah. and like going through the Black River warehouse and seeing like all the ramps in stock and yeah. it's like you know you maybe think like yeah they probably got five of these and ten of these it's like no they got like walls full of ramps and like like you know there's hundreds of each ramp it's like insane and it smells so good yeah 
the smell of the wood and then the smell outside like the yeast from yeah. the place next to them that's like super nostalgic too yeah it is <laughs> uh yeah it was it was wild to see all the parks like all the old black river parks from like pissing fingers one and two or in the early fast finger events um to kind of see them all in one room and be able to use them and, yeah. and kind of see the progression uh from like all the generations of parks everything was like like so big and steep and stuff and you know kind of transitioning into what we have now yeah, it was it was really cool to see in person yeah definitely what do you think it is about fingerboarding that like <clears throat> that made us or i guess made you stay with it you know like for so long because tons of people you know there was kids in your class that were fingerboarding same mm-hmm. with me and like in my experience, only one of them, Pat McGinn, still fingerboards and me. Mm-hmm. So two of us out of the whole group. And it was like the whole class practically was obsessed with these things in fourth grade. So yeah. like, what is it that makes us stay with it? Yeah, I think there, there's a couple of things. It's like, um, you know, like kind of separately from fingerboarding, I had interest in, in photography. So like, you know, photography and videography kind of combines itself with fingerboarding and skateboarding. A lot of people that fingerboard, you know, do photography or, uh, you know, videos and stuff. Um, and then just like the tech side of things, you know, like when I was younger, I was always interested in computers and technology. So like, you know, going on like message boards and creating fingerboard websites when I was younger, like it kind of combined like a lot of these various interests together. Um, and then I think when you had like the first couple of rendezvous, like, you know, to that point, like, everyone just knew each other online, but then to go see everyone in person for the first time, and, like, you know, there's actual faces behind all these random usernames online, and to hang out with them in person, and, you know, get to know everyone better, it was, you know, really good community, so it's like, you know, like I said, all these different backgrounds, but we're all, you know, we have that common thread, and we get along, like, instantly because of that, so yeah, I think just, like, tying all the various interests together and then the strong community behind it just like kept it going yeah definitely did you get into photography before or after fingerboarding i think probably around the same time and my mom has always been interested in photography um and then when i started skateboarding and fingerboarding um you know i wanted to film it and take photos of it um so i think that kind of you know spiked my interest in it um, you know, until this day, really. Yeah, and now you're taking pictures of buildings and all <laughs> kinds of stuff, making them look absolutely amazing. So yeah. how has, like, your photography journey evolved over time? Because, like, it's on another level right now. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, when I was younger, uh, you know, I had a, a Sony video camera that I used to take photos with and, you know, pretty low quality. And I think it when I filmed, it was a, like a digital eight tape it was like the really <laughs> old school one um like before mini dv tapes um so yeah so i started taking photos with that and then eventually got like a point and shoot and then to digital slrs but yeah when i was younger it was mainly just you know trips into boston kind of doing buildings and stuff but nowhere near the level i'm doing it now um both fingerboarding and skateboarding too um, and then high school, I started doing sports photos and event photos for the newspaper and yearbook. Um, and then I did kind of take a break from it for a little bit during college. But then after college, I moved to Boston and kind of picked it up again. And that's when I really started doing the cityscapes and landscapes and things like that. Um, you know, now even occasionally on the side, uh, 
like portraits and events for friends and family. So you've told us all the areas where you've been successful. What's the biggest mistake you've made in your entire <laughs> life and what have you learned from it? Biggest mistake? Oof. I don't know if I can like pinpoint a specific mistake, but Doug is perfect. Everyone, <laughs> no, not, I definitely knew it. Not perfect. I knew but it. Pretty close. I think the biggest thing, like if you're, uh, don't like if if there's something you want to do in life, don't wait too long to do it. Like it, it might be something like, you know, moving to a new city or state or getting a new job or whatever it may be. Don't be afraid regardless of like how big it is or how much of a risk it is like if, if you're if it's something you're passionate about or you know you have a feeling might be the right move like take the risk and do it because like I think even if you fail at it it's still better that you tried it as opposed to you know spending the rest of your life wishing oh I wish I did xyz at this time so you know I don't know if I've I don't know, can pinpoint like a specific thing, but I, I think that's like a good lesson. It's like, yeah. you know, take the risk and like the worst is you just, you know, you tried, but maybe you failed. Maybe you tried it and it was successful and it was good. But yeah, just don't, I don't know, don't not take the risk, I guess. Definitely. So what made you think of that? <laughs> was there something that you maybe, maybe you learned that lesson yourself or maybe you saw it, somebody else did it or? Yeah, I mean, even things like, like jobs and careers like kind of moving around between companies and just like trying new things because um, when you do stay at a place like a job or whatever for too long kind of gets stagnant maybe you don't learn and, and grow as much so if you kind of force yourself to be uncomfortable like you're gonna grow and, and learn and, and be a better person yeah no that's actually that's really good advice for sure mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people can definitely take things from that I totally agree because it's like if you have the idea in your head, like, I shouldn't be here, or I should be doing this instead, it's like, that's not there for no reason. You know, you right. thought of that for a reason, and then it's like, that comes back tomorrow, and the next day, maybe you forget about it, and then a week later, you think it again, and mm -hmm. it keeps coming back. It's like, there's, there's something there, go for it. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Let's take our audience on a journey. What was it like when we first met? Yeah, so when we first met in person, it was Rendezvous 2, is your parents' driveway. Um, I remember telling my mom about it ahead of time and wanting to go, and she being a little skeptical about, you know, meeting <laughs> other kids from the internet. Um, but uh, she agreed and took me, and I remember pulling up to your driveway, and it's like, you know, all the heads in the driveway turned and, like, looking at the car <laughs> and looking at me, and I remember you know, seeing all the tables with all the ramps on them and uh, kind of getting out and going up. And I think you or someone was asking, like, you know, who are you? And instead of saying my name, I said my username from, uh, you know, the forms online, which was Doug RB10. I remember I said, you know, oh, I'm Doug RB10, you know, and then kind of met everyone. Um, but it was so, like surreal seeing like all these other fingerboarders that I knew for years online in person, you know, with all these tables and ramps set up and um, just kind of kind of mind blowing, like a li little bit awkward for sure, but like really cool um, kind of seeing everyone and seeing everything set up. Yeah, it was crazy. I can like picture this exact thing too. Just like I remember seeing you for the first time. Mm -hmm and just like oh Doug RB10 no way like that's amazing I just remember like 
you know, seeing you from online, like people, I don't know how to describe it, but like people have like a vibe online mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, the type of whatever pictures you post or like the way you type and stuff. And then it's just like to meet the actual person, put like the yeah. face to the name and like get to know each other more is just like, it's super cool. I think most mm-hmm. kids kind of know that now because it's like very common with fingerboard events and whatever else and Instagram and YouTube. But like back in the day, people need to remember like this is rendezvous too and it's like that means like the second one ever you know and there was no other fingerboard events around and the internet like we didn't even really have cell phones and stuff so like it was yeah not to make us sound old (laughs) to the younger people listening but yeah I mean it was really crazy just like meeting especially at a young age and just like total strangers but everyone was just cool yeah. yeah everyone was so nice and uh, it was cool to meet everyone and, and see all the ramps because i was like you know i had a couple black river ramps at that point but to see like basically the rest of them like out on tables was incredible and like all the custom ramps that everyone has made and, and different boards and wheels and um i remember buying a five face stack from you that i still have and a couple sets of the g2 wheels wow so, g2 cool, yeah yeah, those were my, uh, you know, to the point, a lot of just, like, plastic wheels with, like, drilled out nuts as the cores, like, the metal cores, and, you know, they're kind of uh, kind of wobbly or just, like, kind of bumpy as you're riding back and forth, but I remember using the G2s, and they're just, like, a whole different experience and, like, so smooth and, you know, definitely next level. Yeah, definitely. I think there was a lot of, like, beginning stages of innovation and stuff going on at that time because like it was like we were just starting to get black river ramps and then we're all just like you know yeah i was making wheels trying to make the wheels good they didn't the g2s didn't have bearings either they were like Mm -hmm. just really good material and really good like they were actually round you know they weren't like molded but they were like machined really nice and stuff but yeah like we come such a long way from then till now what was it like kind of watching the progression from Rendezvous 2 to like where we are now in fingerboarding and events and everything? Yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, there were uh, maybe like a dozen, a couple dozen people at Rendezvous 2 at most, you know, just in your parents' driveway. And, um, you know, they start getting bigger and bigger and, you know, you're renting out a space for the first time and it like Rendezvous 5 and it being pretty full. Um and then just kind of outgrowing that space and getting bigger and bigger to where we are now. And even like the last rendezvous, like kind of pulling up and there were just being so many people and just it's kind of, you know, mind blowing that it started in a driveway and now it's this <laughs> massive event um, where people come from all over the world to, to fingerboard and hang out with everyone. So yeah. it's, it, it's crazy to see the progression um and not only the events but like the products like i remember when i started like you know molding boards like between tech decks and the garage you know and um you know now we have like really professional uh boards that you know look exactly like skateboards and kind of made the same way and heat press graphics and it's just it's crazy how much it's progressed you know from those early days till now yeah um, even like social media has changed so much because you kind of mentioned, you know, early on we just had like message boards and now we have, you know, YouTube is massive and, and Instagram and TikTok and, you know, there's all these other ways for everyone to kind of, you know, share their fingerboard media and 
and communicate with one another. Yeah, definitely. It's like, it's a huge, it's like a bustling city now, and it used to be just like mm -hmm. a little village or something. Yeah. Come on, Rhombus, you can do it. We were hoping she would join us for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. You can hang out with us, Rhombus. We have a viewer-submitted question from Jesse Braun, and he wanted to know about your experience filming fingerboarding for Apple, which was really cool. Um, like, fingerboarding always brings us to places we never imagine, mm -hmm. but that one is like, you know, I know you love Apple a lot. Like, a lot of people love Apple, but you really love Apple. You've been a big supporter of them for, like, a long time. And, yeah, what was that like? Yeah, that was that was wild. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, as you mentioned, I'm a huge Apple fan, and I've been fingerboarding for so long now, so to kind of join those two together is, is incredible. Um, yeah, it started last summer, uh, I believe in early June. Um, you got me in contact with um, an advertising team at Apple um, and quickly got on a couple phone calls and discussed the project and next thing I knew beginning of July I was out in California in LA um, you know kind of up to that point all the, the fingerboard videos I've done have been like small scale like people's houses or like that small studio in Brooklyn um, for the, the oh, 3D yeah. 3D printing company we gotta go into that one after yeah. that's a cool little hidden gem I think so yeah, everything up until that point has been, you know, relatively small and low key. Um, and I didn't really know what to expect going into this. I mean, all the, the calls leading up to it, there were so many, you know, people from New York and London and LA all uh, collaborating, you know, on this project. Um, so to get there and, you know, be in this massive soundstage in Hollywood kind of blew my mind. Um, it, you know, the first couple days we were there, uh, you know, it was kind of low key. There was maybe like 10 people or so, and it was just kind of walking through the commercial. Um, but, you know, the first day of actually like filming the commercial, like I got there and there, you know, probably a hundred people around the soundstage and everything was set up with like lighting and the cameras, the camera was on a, um, on a, like a crane and then the crane itself was on a, a big dolly so they could move it all around. Um, there were little monitors all around like iPads and um, screens so everyone could see what the camera was seeing. Um, the directors and the producers had an area where they were kind of calling the shots and Apple had a, an area where they were watching and it just it just blew my mind because it was a full-fledged like Hollywood soundstage. <laughs> Um, definitely, you know, never seen anything like that, let alone like be a part of it. Uh, so yeah, it was just incredible. Um, the game itself, it was for a, a, a sequel of the Subway Surfers game. So Subway Surfer, Subway Surfers was one of the, or I think still is one of like the most downloaded mobile games. Um, and they came out with a sequel called Subway Surfers Tag which was exclusive to Apple Arcade. So Apple wanted to basically film um, the main character, Jake, uh, you know, instead of skateboarding around this new world, like basically fingerboarding around. And that's where I kind of came in. Um, I was working with other hand models. So like I was, you know, doing some fingerboarding, but uh, the other hand models were, were playing like the role of like the security guard trying to chase me down. And then I had other, you know, 
fingerboard skateboarder friends that were, you know, hanging around this park, um, just kind of in the background. Yeah. Um, if people don't know, hand modeling is a real thing. Why don't you tell them about hand modeling? Yeah, it, like, that was eye-opening too. Um, one of the guys I worked with on it that played the role of the inspector, the security guard, um, his name was Jerry. He kind of enlightened me about hand modeling. Like I didn't realize how big of a, a thing it was. Um, you know, he was telling me he's done, you know, he went to culinary school just to learn, you know, general like cooking practices. And, you know, he's in big, you know, pizza commercials, like, you know, rolling out dough and flipping the pizzas in the air and like it's his hands making it or you know a thing like a um, like a beer commercial he's the the bartender you know popping the lid off the beer and, and serving it to the customer uh, so there's just little things like that and he was naming off you know big company after big company of you know <laughs> like commercials where you know it's, it's his hands in the commercial um, and even Apple itself like one of the the first iPad Pro commercials it was him kind of you know unveiling it and using it so yeah it was a whole another industry that I never really knew about and knew how big it was yeah if you have really really perfect hands yeah. you can be a contender you got to get like manicures every day and stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was another thing too I've like obviously never had a manicure you know leading up to that and that was one of the the requirements or the, the prerequisites yeah that video came out crazy too. If anyone hasn't seen it, we'll put a link to the video, like probably in the description, so you can check it out. And um, yeah, I mean, it looks practically like an animation, like the way that it's just so smooth and high quality, and like the lighting is insane. I know you mentioned yeah. you were melting under those lights <laughs> yeah. all day. <laughs> yeah, there there were so many lights, but they really took care with every single shot of you know positioning every light perfectly and looking for for shadows and any reflections and and really perfecting every single shot um you know in between in between different sets or different um like scenes within the commercial you know they would you know reposition the table and the ramps and the cameras and the lights and and really make sure it was perfect um yeah it was just incredible the amount of attention to detail there was like on everyone's part not only like the camera and the lighting but just like are all the props in the right place and uh you know does the background look okay and like you know where am I positioned like can we hide more of my body so they really only see my hands and my arm you know like the character yeah um so yeah the attention to detail was like insane I think that must be the highest production value fingerboard content ever created <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean there were like I said, when I got there the day of like the first uh the first like full shoot, like I was just blown away by the like the number of people working on it and never expected it to be at that scale. Yeah, me neither. I mean I knew it would be legit, but I was just blown away by like how crazy it really was. Yeah. And another cool thing was um all the, the hand models had little costumes. So I actually had, you know, finger size jeans on my fingers and like little shoes and um, like the inspector had like a full, you know, full body costume of his fingers and his hand itself. Um, so that was kind of cool. You know, there was, you know, wardrobe working on that and, you know, in between scenes, like making sure, you know, the jeans were pulled up just right or, you know, uh, looked perfect. So even like little things like that. 
uh, you know, there were people behind them. Yeah, super crazy, like things that you practically wouldn't even think about when filming fingerboarding normally. Yeah. And it's like, it's not like a traditional fingerboard mini at all. It's like a completely different kind of film that you guys did. Mm. And yeah, it's just crazy to see it. It's pretty inspiring, like in a different way. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, there, there were some challenges with it though. Um, you know, traditionally when we're filming fingerboarding for YouTube or social media, if you're trying a trick, you basically, you know, basically just keep trying it over and like the filmer's gonna know just to kind of swing back and forth. Um, but with this, it was, you know, like, almost like the traditional like lights, camera, action for every single shoot. So if like, if you screwed up, you might have to wait like 30 seconds, a minute, maybe five minutes before they can do the next take. So it's not like the normal, just like keep trying until you land and get it perfect. It's like, there's a whole team of people like that have to reset up yeah. for the next, you know, attempt. Yeah, I've been on a few different uh, projects where they filmed it like that, where it's like every try, you gotta wait like five, 10, 20, 30 seconds sometimes mm -hmm. between the tries. So you get one try and then everybody has to like move back and position the start of the camera again. And yeah. it's just totally different than how we do it when we're just filming back and forth. And it's like, you don't even have to take a second between tries right. and yeah, it's like a whole different type of like pressure almost, you know, it's like you yeah. have to, not that you have to land it, but like you want to land it. Cause it's like, it's annoying <laughs> to right. not land it. Yeah, for everyone there were scenes too where i'm like oh i want to do this cleaner but you know they thought it looked good but they I know don't even like know yeah fingerboarding and skateboard i'm like oh no that that could be better but you know they had like an idea of what they wanted every scene to look like and you know they thought it looked cool so if they thought it looked cool and the producer and director thought it was good then we just kind of went with it yeah um and the the other challenge was the finger shoes so they wanted you know, my hand to basically look like the main character, Jake. Um, and we had these kind of plasticky shoes that I wore that we had to modify to kind of make more comfortable. Um, but I think the biggest challenge was like the way that I fit my fingers in the shoes. I was almost like kind of standing straight up and using like the points or the tips of my fingers instead of like kind of laying down flat like we traditionally fingerboard. Um, so that was a challenge in itself. Like tricks that I could normally do like no problem or every try you know are actually kind of challenging with the shoes on um so they're you know unfortunately some of the the tricks and things they wanted like I had to basically hear the, the shoes to the board just to get the <laughs> shot essentially um because you know there's just things where like I had to awkwardly position myself over the table or maybe there was a camera like under my arm so I like couldn't you know fingerboard how I'd normally fingerboard yeah or you know maybe I had to like reach really far over the table to get the right angle and you know it's like too much so yeah <laughs> there, there were some shots that were kind of cheated in a way but it was just to make <laughs> it look better yeah before every take they actually had like the clipboard you know the, yeah. the thing they do in movies where they like write like the scene number and like the take and then they like snap it yeah actually we did had that, that too that's yeah. awesome yeah i think it was uh the wired one they did that with me it was like yeah. so like after for or before every single attempt yeah it was like seven like take eight <laughs> yeah i didn't know that was a a real thing <laughs> apparently it is yeah that it totally cool. is um yeah, because it, like, shows up on the camera so they can, like, see all the info mm -hmm. that's written on there. And, like, for 
Because when people film stuff like that, it's like edited sometimes by other people. They have no idea what anything even was. Yeah. So it's like they have all the info written on there. I think like when we were doing it with Wired, they eventually they were like, all right, we don't have to do this before every try. Like, mm-hmm. just tell them to take the end, like the last part. Because right. it's just like too ridiculous, like to write different things every time. Yeah. It's like here's failed kickflip board slide <laughs> attempt number nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They they actually um, which I thought was really cool. They had a I forget the official like like the film term for it, but they had like basically like a wireframe of the entire commercial, and like every scene, like they had an editor there the second day of like production filming, and he already had like all the clips from the first day basically like pulled in, so they had like music and some sound effects and titles like already like all stitched together, and then like as we would film a scene, they would take like the best clip and just kind of inject it in, so it'd be like part like actual filming and then part wireframes so you can kind of see like the progression and flow yeah um and they were kind of doing it like in real time that's like, as awesome. we're filming the second day that's sick yeah so it's like you know by the beginning of the second day we got to see like basically the first half of the commercial like already in place with music and and transitions and stuff yeah and then it took like what a few months before yeah. it was done yeah that was early july we filmed it and it wasn't released to the public until august i believe august no wait september (laughs) yeah i think it was a few months a couple months after i remember just waiting and waiting like so excited to see it yeah yeah same um yeah just like constantly refreshing like all various social medias just trying to see (laughs) where it's gonna be published and uh you know what the final outcome was like yeah Definitely. So let's take it back to uh, New York City, was it, when we did the MakerBot um, fingerboard video back 10 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. Um, yeah, MakerBot, uh, 3D printing company, when 3D printers were relatively new, not very common, not a lot of people had them. Um, they 3D printed a park, or really all like ramps to, to build a yeah. park. Um, yeah, we, we went down and met up with Tim Hurley and Taylor Rosenbauer and, and filmed at MakerBot's office, um, basically like a whole mini on this 3D printed park. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that was crazy. I remember like how lightweight all the things were and we had to like tape them down or something. I, yeah. I think they weren't expecting them to just like go flying when we hit them. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. like light as air practically. Yeah, they're a little on the small side too, like not the the best scaling, but they looked really cool. They're all like kind of like semi-transparent and, and yeah. clear. Um, but yeah, that that was a fun weekend because that kind of started it, and then we stayed at Tim Hurley's dorm room. He was in like college at the time, and uh, we filmed a mini that night. That was like one of the I don't know most fun minis of filmed. I think. Um, it was just like we we're doing all these ridiculous tricks with like you know bits and pieces of the 3d printed park and i just remember it being you know fun kind of doing crazy stuff yeah. with it that was a super good time definitely like yeah. still remember that too yeah and then the next day like i think tim was going to classes or work or something and you me and taylor went to the uh the chelsea pier skate park and like oh, rode around yeah. new york like for the day before heading back that was cool yeah crazy good times 
I'm hoping to get Taylor on the show. That would be crazy. I don't yeah. think he's interested, but we'll see. He should. <laughs> yeah, maybe after he sees this one and then Tim Hurley. Yeah. Then he's next. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> then we got the whole crew yeah. from that little trip. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I remember it was like crazy just uh, fingerboarding for like anything just feels so surreal. Like for like another company, for like mm -hmm. a project that's bigger than fingerboarding that's unrelated sometimes basically like a 3d printing company or apple or we did the museum of science demo like mm -hmm. i wish we had better documentation of that because there's like not really much footage of the actual thing but like it's crazy to think of like a science museum like asked us to do like a demo of fingerboarding it's like wild and yeah the Museum of Science, that one's just lost to time. Like, there's no footage, basically. It's like a couple of tricks we filmed outside afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember that. That was um, right after you got your first Black River Park, too. So I remember, Ooh. like, going and using yeah. that at your house and, and seeing that and then um, going to the Museum of Science and, and filming that. Yeah, I think we just had, like, a park set up, like, and it was in the museum, uh, the middle of the museum, and we were just kind of fingerboarding and you know people are checking it out and trying it and stuff and we're just kind yeah. of doing our own like demo good morning this episode is sponsored by famous decks let's see what they sent in oh yeah they have 65 different options on their boards because they have different shapes they got different molds. They got good packaging, as you can tell. Whoa. Yo. It just says yo. They send you a hidden message. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Super nice. Hi, Mike. Greetings from San Diego. Stoked for you and the new podcast. Best of luck to you and the crew. Enjoy the new canoe deck. This one was a recent art collab with Samuel Walker, a good dude and talented artist. Best Nate Famous. So, here's the board. Let's take it out and take a look. It looks great. Super high quality, shiny graphic. Oh yeah. Beautiful plies, nice concave, good steepness. Looks like it's going to perform awesome. It smells good, too. Wow. I mean, it smells like the engraving at the top. Um, yeah. It's got a canoe. Cool colors coming off the bo bottom of it, or the back of it, really. And uh, they got the little F logo on the front. Yeah, super nice craftsmanship. Everything looks perfect on this. So, yeah, they even send you the... This is insane. They have all these different molds, all these different combos of... Dimensions, you can get each mold, 29, 30, 32, 33, 33 35, and 36 on some of these molds. And Okay, so they have shapes for each mold. That, so you can get a mold that you choose, and then which shape, and then what size. So yeah, that's why there's 65 options. And then they have cruisers too, with a couple, uh, or like one size on the cruisers. Yeah, so they got magic mold, diamond mold, legend mold, sublime mold, and epic mold. And there you can see them. 
I'm sure you can see them on their website. So they're on famousfb.com and Instagram at famousdex. So yeah, these are awesome. Check them out. And let's check this out. What else? They sent some. Whoa, they feel crazy. All right, get the stickers. They feel. I've never had a sticker that feels like this. I don't know. That's high quality. It's like. It feels like a scratch ticket, like a lottery, but it's not because it stays on. I don't know. Just a cool textured sticker. Um, yeah. That's awesome. I fingerboard for the fame. Yeah, they got cool stickers. A sheet of tape. Tape feels good. Overall solid packaging. They have this other insert, which is a, uh, yeah, really nice print quality. They don't slack here. So yeah, each deck is handmade using 100% maple. Super cool. Yeah, so they also got other stuff in their shop too. If you need trucks and wheels to go along with this, just go on their website. They got it all on there if you want. And yeah, thank you Famous. They also have this really cool new obstacle coming soon. I got to see a sneak preview of it. It's pretty awesome. Tell me about that beverage over there. What are you drinking today? Oh yeah, drinking a welcome coffee it's like a uh, a special summer series coffee it's a uh, like an arnold palmer but instead of tea it's got coffee so it's like coffee and lemonade like infused together in what country are these lemons from <laughs> italy sicilian lemons yeah are they're special very fancy yeah they're good it's it, it definitely a weird flavor um at first i didn't really like it but I don't know. The more I drank it, the more I, you know, started loving it. Now I'm addicted to it. <laughs> They're pretty good, though. Um, That's funny. I find yeah. some of my favorite music was the same. Like, the first time I heard a song, I was like, eh, whatever. And then I hear it a second time, and it hits so good. And then it's just like, you're obsessed with it after. And for some reason, like, I don't know, the songs that are good the first time, they don't usually stick around. But the, the songs that are good the second time, those are the jams. Mm -hmm. So... There's your beverage doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, uh, I know you go to like some pretty cool concerts and stuff. I see once in a while on Instagram. And yeah. You send me some clips and stuff. Um, what role does music play in your life and what kind of music do you like and stuff like that? Yeah, I think my music kind of journey, I guess, has changed a lot. Like when I was younger, listening to just like kind of mainstream songs and like pop generally. Um, in high school, I kind of switched to like rock and alternative music. And then when I got to college, it was more, you know, just like parties and going out and it was more uh, like rap and EDM and the EDM portion really kind of stuck with me. Um, you know, it was fun at, you know, parties and going out, but also you know, it was good background music when I was like writing code for, for classes and, and stuff like that. Um, and also like going to the gym, it was good music to kind of pump you up. So it just kind of really stuck in like all those different areas and I just never stopped listening to it. Um, and now it's pretty much, I, I listen to like, you know, a lot of stuff, but that's like the, the core of it. Um, you know, an EDM has so many subgenres and so many different types, if you will. Um, but like in particular, uh, like trance and house and deep house are yeah. probably my favorites. I love those too, yeah. especially for like 
anything that involves focus like you mentioned coding mm -hmm. any type of like work on the computer editing or editing pictures and typing things even it's like you can still think while you're listening to it but it like right. totally focuses you and feels awesome yeah. and definitely i like a lot of that stuff too yeah it's super good there, there's so many like i said different like varieties of it like you have stuff that's like really amps you up and like gets you going but then they have stuff that's more like deep house and like more chill um you know if you're just you know relaxing or you know doing whatever yeah um yeah there, there's a good variety and like yeah i love going out to shows and you know seeing like you know i mean they're you know djing but like all the like the lights and the atmosphere and the lasers and just like the crowd of people um you know it's like everyone like in unison just everyone's like pumping each other up and yeah like are excited to be there and it's super fun anyone who doesn't go to live music like go check it out whatever you like listening to it's like seeing anything in concert is like better than your best speakers at home and your best headphones or whatever it's just a totally different environment and it's yeah. it's awesome the energy that it brings and like especially live music but even if it's just like like you said if it's a dj set or something it's still epic you yeah. know it's like there is serious skill that it takes that they're doing like to do a good job at that right yeah i went to a, a concert last weekend um uh, an artist called seven lions and uh it was just like such an incredible show it was like you know the place was packed and everyone's like so pumped for him and excited and um like his set was really good and you know kind of leaked in some ids or new songs uh, you know stuff that no one's heard before um cool. so that was kind of cool and yeah just the all like all the the lasers like all the lights and like visuals were amazing and um just like everyone was like so pumped up so it's just really good energy and like you, you know, walk out of there, you know, being so like pumped up and excited and, you know, wanting to go to more shows. Yeah. Super awesome. It's been a little while since I've been to a concert, so got to get going. Yeah. Definitely got to go to one soon. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, about to set up my record player again. I just dropped off these big speakers. They're like this tall to get fixed mm -hmm. at the uh, place that fixes like the VX 1000s and stuff. Mm, yeah. And uh, I'm going to get them back in like a week or two. So they'll be in here. We can blast some records. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm hyped for that. Yeah, that'll be good. How did you get started in coding and ultimately end up in a career doing that? Yeah, so growing up, my mom always worked at software companies and would bring home computers. And, you know, first they were kind of like older computers that I would just like, you know, pull apart and look at the insides and like figure out how it all worked. Um, and then as I started getting a little bit older, but you know, still middle school age, um, you know, I somehow became interested in like writing code, like, you know, building websites and started reading up on it. And um, there was a, an extra class I could take, I remember in fifth grade, it was during lunch. So you'd kind of miss out on your lunch, but it was, you know, extra, you know, extra things you could learn. And one of them was uh, programming. And it was the, the basic programming language. Um, you know, and it was for about a month or so, like every day at lunch, going and learning about it, and I just became hooked. And so, like between that and um, you know, my own learning how to you know make basic web pages, like web apps, um, you know, I just became hooked and loved it. And that kind of transitioned into high school, um, where I took three years of programming classes and learned Java. So it was 
a bit more legitimate than what I was doing, you know, up until that point. Um, and, you know, at that point I was like hooked on it. I knew that's what I wanted my career to be. Um, you know, it, like it, it didn't feel like work when I'm coding. It's just, you know, like a fun hobby that you're, you know, you're creating something or building something from code. Um, so I went to, when I went to college, I majored in computer science um, and, you know, got a job right away. Um, you know, before I even graduated uh, my senior year and, you know, I've been doing it now full time as my career for 10 years. Um, and it's still, it, it's special. It doesn't feel like work. You know, it's like I get to, you know, kind of take some like creativity from like photography and fingerboarding and, you know, build apps, you know, with that. Um, and it's cool to, you know, write code and then actually have something to like show for it at the end. Um, you know, like this tangible thing that, you know, you can use and customers use and, and so forth. Yeah, definitely. It's really cool. It's like a way to be creative and be productive at the same time. And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's really cool that you're able to take something you like and make it your job too. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel like I'm working. It's not like, you know, yeah. I, I somehow get paid to do something <laughs> that I really like to do. Um, I think one of the, the funnest things, though, in college on the side, I built a couple iPhone apps, and that was right when uh, the iOS SDK came out, and you know the App Store was brand new, and uh, kind of learned it on the side, and and got a few apps built and deployed in the the iOS App Store. Yeah, I remember that. It was like, wow, my friend is making apps. Like it wasn't just like anyone could make apps back then. I think it's a little easier now. Yeah. But yeah, it was like, that was a big deal. I remember that. Yeah, it was cool because like up to that point, like I'd build apps and they were just like running on my computer or like a little server somewhere. But this was like, I could actually build something and um, basically deploy it to my phone and then like show people. Like I could pull it out of my pocket and like, hey, here's this little game or app I built, you know, and uh, I don't know, it's just like a whole new like level or experience for programming. Do you recommend people get a job in something that they like or something that they don't care about? Because I've heard it said both ways. Like some people say if you get a job in something you like, it takes the fun out of it. And other people say like, no, it makes it better or it's just awesome because you like doing it and it's cool. What do you think about that in general? That, that's tough. It's like when you rely on something, you know, for your income, um, you know, it, it's still fun. It doesn't feel like work, but it, it, it does take away uh, like the uniqueness or like the specialness. I'm not, that's not even a word, but like it, it, it takes away from it a little bit because now you're relying on it, you know, for your income and for your livelihood and, and like programming, like I still love it and it's amazing, but it's not quite the same as it was before it becoming a full-time you know, job, like before I'd like build the iPhone apps for fun on the side and work on them. But now I'm not doing as much coding outside of work hours. Um, so yeah, like I've, you know, thought about making photography like a full-time thing, but like, I don't want it to lose, you know, uh, it's, yeah, you know, it's almost like if you have to do it, at least for someone else, then it's like you lose a small part of the creative part in order to satisfy like that, that you have, you know, the demand for it. it's like, okay, I definitely have something to do and it's what I like to do, but it's not like, you know, I don't get to choose the subject, let's say. It's like right. I get to code what they need coded, not what I feel like making. But then it's like you get something for it, so it's it's a cool trade too. Right. Right. It's 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 not the worst. Like it doesn't 
like kill it per se but it definitely it, it doesn't allow you to like flex that part of like your creative mind yeah so it's, it's good that you have other hobbies on the side too that it's like you can do so yeah I think that's a good thing to take into consideration like if you're gonna make your hobby your job are you still gonna have you know what are you gonna lose from what you like about it what are you gonna keep mm -hmm. and then if there is something you have to lose are you okay with losing that or can you supplement it somewhere else and then if yes then go for it yeah probably. yeah it's nice to have like other hobbies so that way like if if all you do is this one thing and then that becomes your job like you might become like disappointed with that choice because like i don't know you're, you're being forced to do it and you're kind of losing your creativity on it but if you can kind of fall back on other things that are completely your own that you can control then you know it's, it's not bad yeah i don't know somehow i never like fingerboarding doesn't feel like work to me like mm -hmm super rarely like i could make it feel like work but i think the fact that i don't do that is like why it's stayed like super fresh for me the whole entire time it's like i would rather be like sorry guys like it's going to be hard to get in touch with me because i'm not sitting eight hours a day on my emails because if i was mm -hmm. it would be like not fun it's like i'd rather like work on creating new stuff for people to enjoy new boards new wheels new whatever so like yeah I think that's kind of how I avoid like making it feel like work. Like I do what needs to be done, but you know, it's like that's almost not the main focus. It's like there's people to make sure the orders ship out every day, so I don't have to be like super punctual. I can just like be more on the creative part. I think. Right. That's also in that that's been going for twenty years now. Twenty right? years. Yeah, I can't believe it. Yeah, that's it's crazy. I know. I feel like I'm twenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's it's wild to think too when we were younger and like on the message boards like the old kids were you know 15 16 and i know and now it's like we're we're double that age yeah. um it, it's wild to think of that like perspective change yeah it's really crazy like i don't think anyone had any idea like that we'd even be fingerboarding like when we're like adults if you want to call us adults mm -hmm. We're are we adults now? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It I doesn't guess, feel barely, like it. though. Yeah, I don't count that as adult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you keep doing the things you like, you don't get old. Mhm. Mm keep having fun, keep laughing about stupid stuff and yeah. That's about it. Somebody asked, "What is your current fingerboard setup?" That's an easy one. Mm. So I'm currently using a, a split pie flat face board that Mike made for me. Uh, it's really cool bottom ply, top ply. Unfortunately, you can't see, but it's just as crazy as the bottom. Uh, flat face Z wheels, Black River 3.0 trucks, uh, and rip tape on the top. Classic. Little... We got somebody still using rip tape over here. Yeah, I feel like I'm about the only person. Um, but I don't know. I've, I've always just used it, and you know yeah. that's what I'm used to and I like, so I've just kind of stuck with it. Yeah, no, rip tape's really popular. We sell tons of it, so there's definitely a lot of people using it. But, yeah, I prefer FBS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still put a little line, too, in the rip tape just to know the nose from the tail. Yeah, um, that board's insane. It's so good. Yeah, definitely Works one of my favorites. Good. Yeah. You want to show us your first Berlin wood? Oh, t talk about receiving it. How great did it smell opening up that package? <laughs> yeah, so I remember uh, when I first saw Berlin Woods just being amazed by it because at that point it was, 
you know, just tech decks for the most part and some very basic wooden boards that use like um, the, the thin aircraft plywood. Um, so like seeing the first like Berlin Woods were, it just kind of blew my mind that I like needed to get one. Um, but at the time, you know, there wasn't like a, a web store you could go to and buy it. It was like I emailed Timo and he just like was super friendly and gave me an address in Germany and, you know, send $20 like in the mail. And, you know, maybe like a month later, I got this little package from Germany um, and it had the board, which like blew me away. It was incredible. Um, but it had, you know, rip tape, like the old like pre-cut rip tape um, with like the the red logo packaging on the top, like the, the classic rip tape. Um, and it had the Pissing Fingers one DVD and like stickers and little Black River like pamphlets and stuff. Um, I just thought that was so cool and ended up going back and, you know, sending him another $20 in the mail and, and getting a second one. Do you um, have that second one too? I do and it, it's cool. unused. It's still brand oh, new. No so what year is this for people that don't know? So this was 2004, I think. Oh, I was born in 2004. No. <laughs> Somebody's going to say that. No, I wasn't, but you know. Um, Dude, I was Yeah, so it was like I was 11 or something in 2004. Like that's yeah. that's crazy. It's like 2004 and I, you know, instantly set up this board and I used it full time until 2009 when like the new mold Berlin Woods came out. Wow. It's like I kept, you know, switching to other boards and trying things, but like nothing was as good as this one. I just kind of stuck with it. Um, yeah, that board is unbelievable. It's uh, it's absolutely tiny right now. Yeah, you know, because I kind of did some like light sanding on it, so it's it's a little boxy in shape. It's really skinny. It's you know, started off as twenty six millimeters, and now it's like twenty five <laughs> at best. Um, you know, it's got chips in the tail and the nose and like top and bottom, um, really, really tight trucks, like replacing the Kingpin with a, yeah, hex, yeah, nun bolt. Yeah, that used to be a thing we would do, like take out the Tech Deck Kingpin and then screw in like a yeah. hex pin like, from Germany usually. Yeah, like tuning the trucks. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, like. The, the trucks are uh, rock tight, like, <laughs> no turning whatsoever. Yeah, they're Tech Tech trucks, too. Just tuned Tech Tech um, chrome base plates, but uh, just, like, the raw metal hangers. Yeah. Yeah, I used so this full-time until 2009. Um, Crazy. Wow. It's so little. <laughs> Dude, and you have dual bearing flat face wheels oh, yeah. on it which i'm about to bring back dual bearing wheels really me and scott are doing a little collab where he's going to make special dynamic trucks that work with them because the reason they got discontinued was like when black river trucks came out and then eventually dynamics also um there was only space for like the single bearing and the dual bearings like it makes it a little bit thicker inside so dual bearings like how a skateboard wheel is constructed but fingerboard wheels are mostly single bearing now so i'm bringing back the dual with a special truck you're gonna get like the truck and the wheel together because it's like you need it anyways mm -hmm. and yeah it'll be awesome dude wow yeah <laughs> dual bearing wheels. but yeah this is crazy
got like the classic we used to call berlin style pies yeah just maple walnut alternating wow if you like really look closely at this thing it's chipped probably from falling on my driveway at rendezvous <laughs> yep definitely <laughs> oh crazy yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that board's been through a lot that is legendary and it still works yeah it still works it's still really Beautiful. good it's, it's a little small you know compared to a more <laughs> Dude, modern day like skateboard half or size board. yeah amazing yeah it's still uh still really good wild yeah i actually have my my first tech deck too the one that i got at the the learning express oh, in the nice. late 90s um basically a blind wow. skateboard don't have the trucks oh, or wheels yeah. on it unfortunately but that's the old one i have the board no concave right yeah it's just like really flat sick yeah that's amazing blind was like one of my favorite companies when i just started skateboarding yeah. like when i was nine or eight i was like I mean, I didn't even know about many companies, but, like, I knew about Blind and World Industries, and I was like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. I think I was in the, into them, too, just because of the tech deck. It's like, oh, this is my first tech deck. It's like, yeah. I want the skateboard version of it. Yeah, do you have um, that skateboard? I don't. I wish I did. I occasionally look for it on, like, eBay and yeah, online and try that. to find it, but um, I remember seeing it at a skate shop in Florida when I was younger, wow. and, like, I should have got oh. it, but at the time, I was, you yeah. know, like, a little kid. I couldn't just buy it with my own money so yeah um but yeah looking back i wish i had it you know hang both of them up on the wall side by side that'd be kind of cool yeah maybe you'll find one one day that's awesome mm. <laughs> devise fingerboards uh stefan asks what is your favorite berlinwood graphic Ooh. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I feel like some of the old ones are like super classic. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I kind of liked. It was fun making the custom graphics in Germany, or like the custom boards. Oh yeah, when we would like cut up the heat transfers. Yeah, like those, and there was one day I made um, like a cut up like plies and like had the the flat face like F's, but like all interlocked, and that was like the whole bottom ply. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, those and all the like, the combined graphics are awesome. Yeah, that was super fun. Henry wants to know, where did your love of time lapses come from? <laughs> <laughs> I knew he'd ask that. Um, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm always like taking photos like around Boston and cities in general. So, you know, it's kind of like that's the, the stationary format of it or view of it. So it's kind of cool to have a video that goes along with it. Like showing all like the action and people moving and um, kind of funny sometimes too. It's like you see like cars like having a hard time like parallel parking or something <laughs> and like going back and forth a million times or you know whatever it may be. So I don't know. It's just kind of cool to see the the action. There's little funny things that pop yeah, out too. That's cool. It's always crazy seeing like a sped up view of like what happens over a day or an mm. hour or whatever, even just a few minutes. Like it's just like you know you see patterns that you normally wouldn't notice and stuff like that yeah just even um if you do one of like the clouds like seeing clouds like kind of transform like different shapes and um like the lighting changing too uh like like seeing like the light patterns on buildings and like kind of shifting back and Ooh. forth and stuff is cool and like the shadows coming in and out um 
and particularly cool like around storms and like just like the the evolution of like the weather and the sky and the lighting it's kind of cool to see sped up like that canner fb wants to know who is your favorite fingerboarder that no longer fingerboards Ooh. That, that's that's difficult because I think everyone still fingerboards to a degree. A like, lot of people came back in the last few years. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know if I could name someone who, like, used to fingerboard a lot and it just was, like, completely quit. And there's, like, some people that don't do as often or maybe don't film or go to events, but they still have, like, a fingerboard on their desk and, like, play around with it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know anyone who's, like, like 100% completely gotten out of it. Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, Elias, but he fingerboards, mm -hmm. like, occasionally, so... Yeah, I mean, there's, like, recent footage of yeah. him in uh, Berlin. It's yeah. kind of cool. Like, some people are less active, but then, like, sometimes they come around and film some stuff. Yeah. How do you kickflip higher than your own head? <laughs> On, honestly, the this board. I don't know, just, like, the, the super tight trucks, really solid uh, Berlin wood. I don't know, it's just one of those things. <laughs> I guess I could, I don't know, just kickflip really high and kind of went with it. Yeah, tight, tight trucks. <laughs> Do you dream about fingerboards? Actually, yeah, when I was younger, like before fingerboard parts, like professional parts were like widely available, like in the U.S., like we'd see a lot of things from Germany and like they were like, I feel like really like advanced compared to the U.S., um, and I remember, like, it was really difficult to get that stuff here. You know, it's like you'd send money in the mail and maybe get it a couple months later. Um, but I did have dreams of, like, going into, like, a Target or a Walmart when I was, like, a little kid and seeing, like, like Winkler wheels, like, on the shelf and being, like, so excited, um, you know, and getting all of them and then waking up and realizing, oh, it's just a dream and, like, we can't actually get those in the U.S. So, yeah, yeah when I was younger, I definitely did. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. That's amazing. Now we almost have that. I mean, it's not everywhere, but at least there's like a few fingerboard stores and a few skate shops yeah. that have it and stuff like that. So we're getting towards your dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, widely available. I mean, you get, you know, obviously stuff in the U.S. through Flatface. Like you get every fingerboard part and, and ramp imaginable. And you can even order directly from Black River now, get stuff from overseas. So Yeah. Things are definitely a lot easier to get now. Yeah. Like... It's hard to even describe what it's like to not be able to get fingerboard stuff because now it's just like everyone's used to it. Yeah. It's like anything you want, you can get it within like a week. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I mentioned earlier, but like wanting to go to Germany with, you know, a couple empty suitcases just to get every Black River ramp because they yeah. were, you know, that challenging to get way back in the day. Left or right Twix? Is that a thing? Is, is, there, is that like a meme? I have no idea. Like, you know how, like, you could open up a candy and you get, like, two, you know, there's yeah. two Twix bars? Like, I don't know, which one do you start with or something? <laughs> I don't know. Left or right? Right. Like, <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking if I'm opening it, like, yeah, probably the one on the right. Yeah. But I guess it might depend how the package rips, right? Like, if it kind that, of rips towards one side, you might just, like, that one's the easier one to take out. Yeah. Yeah, I think that influences it, but also, like, like what hand you are because like i'm right-handed so i typically would probably break off the piece with my right hand and then eat that first yeah 
So probably right right side. <laughs> For me, it would probably already be melted in my pocket, and then I would just be like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All right. Oh, perfect. Pick a fight or pick your nose. Oh, jeez. Uh, I don't know. Really? I don't. I've uh, never seen you fight anyone. No, I don't think I could. So pick will. your nose for sure. Yeah, right? I'll have to. I would pick my nose. Unless it was like a, like not like a fist fight, like a physical fight, but like a, like a, a debate fight or something. Yeah. I don't know. Pick my nose. Okay. <laughs> Favorite camera and lens. Ooh, wait, I can show them. Oh, cool, do it. Yeah, should I? Yeah. Yeah, so I currently shoot with a Canon R5 body. Wow. Um, it's a mirrorless camera. Um, definitely my favorite. Uh, I kind of always use Canon, so sorry, it's like a, a digital Rebel XT, then a 40D, then a 7D. And then I went up to a full frame 5D Mark IV. And then about a year and a half ago, switched to mirrorless. And now I shoot with the, the Canon R5. Like, I absolutely love it. Um, resolution is insane. Um, the focusing system, like, blows my mind away every time I use it. So, you know, I do a lot of cityscapes and landscapes, which, you know, isn't really fast moving by any means. But um, when I shoot sports or even do, like, portraits, like, the focusing is just incredible um so yeah definitely my favorite camera that i've ever had and really ever used and then i think for lenses my favorite would have to be the canon rf um 70 to 200 f2.8 um the quality is just insane um and it's kind of good for really anything um but particularly like portraits and events the, the photos look so good from this so this is my favorite yeah that's awesome where should people go to see your pictures, by the way? Yeah, so I, I post uh, a lot of them on Instagram. Um, Dr. Bodkin is the <laughs> uh, the handle. Although I'm not a doctor, people think that. Um, yeah, Dr. Bodkin. Dr. Right? Bodkin, yeah. Yeah, that was a uh, uh, kind of a nickname I randomly got in college. Like, all my <laughs> uh, uh, roommates that I lived with, like, played video games and had Xboxes and I wasn't really much of a gamer, and but I wanted to like join them, so I got an Xbox, and I needed a gamer tag, and that just kind of got thrown out, so I used it for that, and then I used it for Instagram, so, but I'm not actually a doctor. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. I like how those lenses are like, like tan on the outside, or like whatever the hell color. White, yeah. Yeah, like an off-white though, right? Yeah, they're, uh, it looks cool. <laughs> I think Canon did that, um... Typically, the bigger lenses have just, like, uh, bigger glass elements and more of them. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of them are used for, like, sports and wild wildlife outside. So to try to keep them cooler and not have the, oh. the glass expand, they have white shells. Um, Canon is kind of predominant for it, and uh, I know Sony does it too now. Um, I think a lot of people thought that it was, like, a branding thing. Like, oh, it's a white lens, it's a Canon, like, telephoto, but... Um, you know, from what I've heard, it's really just for the, the thermals, like trying to keep the lens a little cooler. That's awesome. That's yeah. a little knowledge bomb for the humans watching this. Yeah, I, I like Sweet. what they've done with the uh, the RF lenses too. Um, 
basically the the opening to the camera the mirrorless camera is a bit bigger so they were able to go a little crazier with the lenses like doing things like a 20 to 70 f2 lens it's pretty cool wow um so yeah, yeah really really awesome. like them i see that yeah oh it's heavy yeah it's really heavy that's awesome it, it's solid Oh yeah, so clean. I don't even want to breathe on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm always uh, using like the the rocket air blower to like kind of clean the front, clean cool. the lenses, and a uh, little lens pen to get any like fingerprints or smudges off of them. Um, Super awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. I heard yeah. you're a wedding photographer too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This summer, actually, last um, about a year ago, last May. Um, I shot my friend's wedding down in DC, or at least part of it. Um, and since then I've done like a lot of portraits. Um, I did an engagement shoot in October, past October, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, and all the events have been, you know, either family or friends. So there's kind of like a personal touch to all of them as well. You know, it's not just like a random person, you know? Yeah. Makes it way better. Like when you care about it, right, you know right. the people and stuff. Yeah, we covered a lot of really cool topics on this. I hope you had as much fun as I did. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you for having me. And cool. Looking forward to seeing the rest of the guests on the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you.